Welcome back to the Word Encounter, episode 161, where we will be picking things up in the book of Ezekiel in chapter 38. And the title says, The Defeat of Gog. Now, who is Gog? Gog is either a person or it symbolizes a people. Uh, Not exactly sure, but let's get started here. It says in verse 2, Son of man, face Gog of the land Magog. Now, the land Magog seems to be uh, the eastern part of what was the Soviet Union. Um, if you look at the map above Turkey, you have in, in, in west of Europe, you have these lands and territories, and that's what it's referring to. It says the chief prince of uh, Meshach and Tabul, this is in the Turkish region, a prophesy against him and say, this is what the Lord God says. Look, I'm against you, Gog, key, uh, chief prince of Meshach, Meshach and Tabul. In verse 5, it says, Persia, Cush, and Put are with them, all of them with shields and helmets. And so we see there, there's an amassing of people, not just one uh, kingdom, not just one nation. There's an amassing of people. It says, Gomer with all his troops uh, and Beth Tugerma, yeah, Beth Tugerma from the remotest part of the north, along with all its troops, many peoples are with you. So it says, Gog, you have many peoples with you. And many armies, you know, vast numbers. It says in verse 7, Be prepared to get yourself ready, you and your whole assembly that has been mobilized around you. You will be their God, their guard. You will be their leader. <clears throat> verse 8, uh, After a long time, you will be summoned. And it says, In the last years, you will enter the land that has been restored for more and uh, regathered from many peoples to the mountains of Israel, which had long been ruined, which had long been in ruin. And so what this is saying is that uh, it says here in the last years. And so this is out. This is, I mean, we haven't reached this time. This is in the last days. See, we're talking about out into the times of uh, the great tribulation. And so we don't know when this is going to occur. And so it says uh, in the last years, this is what will happen. You will enter a land that has been restored from war and regathered from many peoples to the mountains of Israel. And so it says in verse 9, you, all of your troops and many peoples uh, with you will advance. Coming like a thunderstorm, you will be like a cloud covering the land. It says you and your, your, your vast army will be like a cloud covering the land that will be descending from the north. Okay, in verse 10, it says, this is what the Lord God says on that day. Thoughts will arise in your mind and you will devise an evil plan. So I I suppose that as his army is descending from from the north and Gog is looking around, seeing the vast numbers and how mighty they are, that he will start to entertain thoughts and plans that will be evil in nature. It says, you will say, uh, I will advance against the land of open villages I will come against a tranquil, a tranquil people who are living securely, all of them living without walls and without bars or gates. And so I guess he's supposing to himself, look, I've got this vast army coming down with me, all kind of nations and kingdoms. I'm their leader, and we're going to come across this territory, these lands of open villages. There won't be any bars or won't be any warriors there. There'll just be a tranquil people living in security. Hmm, this sounds inviting. And so let's go on to verse 16. And it says, You will advance against my people Israel like a cloud covering the land. It will happen in the last days. See, Gog, that I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I demonstrate my holiness uh, through you in their sight. So we see here that the Lord is setting up Gog. 
because he's saying that he's bringing him against his people Israel. So the Lord is behind God coming down with his vast armies from the north to descend upon Israel, his people Israel, uh, so that the nations may know him, so that the nations may know me, me being God, not Gog, but so that the nations may know me because it says I'm going to do this in their sight. So the nations uh, of the earth are going to be watching. Then it says in verse 18, it says, now on that day, the day when Gog comes against the land of Israel, this is the declaration of the Lord God. My wrath will flare up. I swear by my zeal and fiery wrath on that day, there will be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. The fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the animals of the field, every creature that crawls on the ground and every human being on the face of the earth. See, and every human being on the face of the earth will tremble before me. The mountains will be uh, demolished. The cliffs will collapse and every wall will fall to the ground. In verse 21, it says, I will call for a sword against him on my mountain. So uh, the Lord is saying, I'm going to call for a sword against Gog, you know, against him, on, um, against him on my mountains. This is the declaration of the Lord. And every man's sword will be against his brother. And so what the Lord is saying here is I'm going to uh, create such an atmosphere of fear and terror that these enemies, the soldiers of the enemy, will start turning on each other. See, every man's sword will be against his brother. So they'll start, they'll be panicking and they'll turn on each other. Then it says in verse 22, I will execute judgment on him with plague and bloodshed. I will pour out a torrential rain, hailstones, fire, and burning sulfur on him, as well as his troops and the many peoples who are with him. So the Lord says, I'm luring them in thinking they're going to take over my people, my territory, but I'm just luring them in. And at the appropriate time, then things are going to reveal themselves. It says in verse 23, I will display my greatness and holiness and will reveal myself in the sight of many nations. Then they will know that I am the Lord. So the Lord is going to be doing this before a disbelieving planet, before a disbelieving world. See, and so the world will have gotten so far from the things of God that he's going to create this situation where he's going to bring down this mighty army from the north to descend on his people, luring them into a trap. Then he's going to turn on them in front of all the earth so that they will see that he is the Lord. In chapter 39, it says the disposal of Gog. And so uh, verse one, as for you, son of man, prophesy against Gog and say, this is what the Lord God says. Look, I'm against you, Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tabul. I will turn you around, drive you on and lead you up from the remotest parts of the north. I will bring you against the mountains of Israel. Then I will knock your bow from your left hand and make your arrows drop from your right hand. You, all your troops. And the peoples who you are with will fall to the will fall on the mountains of Israel. I will give you as food to every kind of predatory bird and the wild animals. In verse six, it says, I will send fire against Magog and to the and those who uh, live securely on the coasts and islands. And so he says, I'm going to send fire, you know, to to where you come from. You know, you're, you're coming here on my holy mountain, but I'm going to send fire to where you come from, uh, to the coast and the islands. Then they will know that I am the Lord. In verse 7, so I will make my holy name known among my people Israel, 
and will no longer allow it to be profaned. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. So again, this is going to be played out in front of the whole, in front of the whole earth. It's going to be played out in public. In verse 8, it says, yes, it is coming and it will happen. So the Lord is doubling down with regard to whether this is going to occur at that time. He says, yes, it is coming. Yes, it will happen. This is the declaration of the Lord. This is the day I have spoken about. So the Lord is talking about his day of reckoning. It's coming. We don't know next year, 10 years from now, 50 years from now, 100 years from now, 500 years from now. I don't know. But this is what he is telling Ezekiel to prophesy. Let's see, we're in chapter 39. Yeah, let's go on to verse 11. And it says, now the day, uh, now on that day, I will give Gog a burial place there in Israel. So he's, he's lured his army into his territories. He's wiped them out and killed them. And he says, I'm giving them a burial place in this place that I've killed them. And then he says in verse 12, the house of Israel will spend seven months burying them in order to cleanse the land. There will be so many from this horde that there, it will take seven months to cleanse the land. That gives us some indication of the numbers. You know, uh, hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions. We don't know. We don't know what the number is of soldiers are going to be eliminated in this process. We drop down to verse 17. It says, Son of man, this is what the Lord God says. It says, Tell every kind of bird and all the wild animals, assemble and come, gather from around, uh, gather from all around to my sacrificial feast that I am slaughtering for you a great feast on the mountains of Israel. You will eat flesh and drink blood. So it says, look, call the animals, summon the animals, bring them in, tell the birds to come in, tell the animals to come in, because there's a great feast awaiting them from all of the armies and the soldiers that I have disposed of. It says in verse 20, at my table, you will eat your fill of horses and riders of mighty men and all the warriors. This is the declaration of the Lord. So this is, this is invitation to the birds and the animals of the land. Come and eat. Come and be restored. The next section says, Israel's restoration to God. <laughs> and it says in verse 21, it says, I will display my glory among the nations, and all the nations will see the judgment I have executed uh, and the hand I have laid on them. From that day forward, the house of Israel will know that I am the Lord their God. And the nations will know that the house of Israel went into exile on account of their iniquity because they dealt unfaithfully with me. And so the word is saying, essentially, all these things that are going to play out are going to educate the world. They're going to educate the earth on what has happened and why it's happened. Because, again, at this time, the earth has become uh, an, an unbelieving place. Let's go on to um, chapter 40. It says a new temple. <clears throat> Again, we're talking about art out in the future, uh, but there are, there's a duality going on because it might be sometimes because there's, there's some uh, differing opinions on when, uh, on the time period with regard to this new temple. See, And so I happen to believe it's referring to maybe two time periods out into the future but also in the near-term future to, uh, to um, um, 
<laughs> take cheese from Ezekiel. Okay, the near term future to Ezekiel. Okay, and so let's just read it. It says in, cha- in chapter 40, verse 1 In the 25th year of our exile, at the beginning of the year, on the 10th day of the month, in the 14th year after um, Jer- uh, Jerusalem had been captured. So this is somewhere around 570 ish BC. On that very day, the Lord's hand was on me, and he brought me there. In visions of God, he took me to the land of Israel and set me down on a very high mountain. On its southern slope was a structure resembling a city. He brought me there, and I saw a man whose appearance was like bronze with a linen cord and a measuring rod in his hand. He was standing by the city gate. He spoke to me, son of man, look with your eyes, listen with your ears and pay attention to everything I am going to show you. For you have been brought here so that I might show it to you. Report everything you see to the house of Israel. So we see that Ezekiel is taken in a vision. He's taken in a vision. The Lord has brought him and he says, look, sit here, watch, observe. I want you to see this. I want you to record everything that you see and report it back to the people of Israel. And so the word goes on, and then what happens for the next few chapters is a detailed description of the new temple. Like has been done before when it was uh, uh, dictated to Moses how things were to be and other prophets, and so it's a similar thing here. And so he talks about, you know, the wall and the outer gates, you know, how long it's to be, how high the walls are to be, uh, the inner gates, what they're to look like, what they're to be made of, you know, rooms for singers and priests. In chapter 41, he goes on to talk about the inside of the temple, what it's to look like, the outside of the temple, what what it's to look like, what the dimensions are to be, how everything is supposed to be constructed. It says uh, interior wooden structures, you know, the elements, the articles that are to be in the temple. All of this goes into uh, uh, detail. In chapter 42, it talks about the priest chambers, how big they're to be, where they're to be located, you know, all kind of details there. Outside dimensions of the temple complex, you know, the outer wall, you know, how large is this to be? And so we get to chapter 43, and it says, uh, uh, return to the Lord's glory. Excuse me, return of the Lord's glory. Remember, the Lord had left the temple because of the, uh, of the, uh, the evilness and wickedness that the people were habitually involved in. And so we see here, it says in verse 1, He led me to the gate, the one that faces east, and I saw the glory of the God of Israel coming from the east. And so uh, Ezekiel lays his eyes on the glory of God approaching from the east. It says, his voice sounded like uh, like the roar of a huge torrent, and the earth earth shone with his glory. In verse 3, it says, the vision I saw was like the one I had seen when he came to destroy the city and like the ones I had seen uh, by the Chabar Canal. I fell face down. See, when you get in the presence of the Lord, you have no other response. He just fell face down. In verse 4, it says, the glory of the Lord entered the temple by the way of the gate that faced the east. He saw, can you imagine being in the presence of the glory of God, uh, 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 witnessing it, watching it, watching it move, watching where it goes? So he saw it enter the temple. And then he said, then the spirit lifted me up and brought me to the inner court and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And so the Lord 
had left the temple, uh, um, Ezekiel had seen the Lord leave the temple. Now he's witnessing the Lord coming back into the temple. When the Lord left the temple, and death and destruction and exile and famine, plague, all that followed. But now he's seeing the Lord come back. Imagine what must have been going through his mind when he's witnessing the Lord coming back into the temple. Then it says in verse 6, While the man was standing beside me, I heard someone speaking to me from the temple. He said to me, Son of man, this is the place of my throne. So if he's saying, Son of man, this is the place of my uh, throne, who's speaking to him? God is speaking to him. And the place of the soles of my feet, where I will dwell among the Israelites forever. So this suggests that when he returns to the temple, he's never leaving again. The house of Israel and their gods will no longer defile my holy name by their religious prostitution and by the corpses of the kings at their high places. So no longer, no longer is corruption and all of this stuff going to be allowed. That, the age of that is over. In verse 9 he says, now let's remove their prostitution and the corpses of their kings far from me, and I will dwell among them forever. Notice it said, now let them remove their prostitution. He didn't say he was going to do it. I haven't noticed this before. Now let them remove their prostitution. This suggests that the people are going to be spill, uh, filled with the Spirit of God, and they are going to remove the prostitution and the corpses of their king far away from God. And then in response, he says, I will dwell among them forever. In verse 10, it says, uh, As for you, son of man, describe the temple uh, to the house of Israel, so that they may be ashamed of their iniquities. Let them measure its pattern, and they will be ashamed of all that they have done. Reveal the design of the temple to them, its layout with its exits and entrances, its complete design along with all its statutes, design specifications, and laws. Write it down in their sight so that they may observe it complete so that they may observe its complete design and all its statutes and may, uh, and may carry them out. And then it goes on to describe the altar of the Lord, again giving dimensions and heights and, and, and specifications. And so uh, let's go on to chapter 43. And in chapter 43, it talks about the prince's privileges, the Levites' duties and privileges, the priest's duties and privileges. And so it goes into detail with regard to what they're doing. Some of these things are exact uh, uh, duplicates of what has appeared in Deuteronomy and Leviticus. Um, and so this is why some people uh, think that this isn't referring uh, uh, to a future date out in, in the times of tribulation under the uh, millennial rule of Christ, but this has more to do with um, more of a short-term vision uh, uh, as far as Ezekiel's perspective is concerned. And I think both of them happen to be applicable. And I think the, the word is switching back and forth and speaking symbolically in some cases and literally in other cases. In chapter uh, 45, 
uh, goes on to the sacred portion of land. It talks about uh, land distribution and a people's contribution and sacrifices. And this is one of the reasons that people think that it's not referring to, or at least not entirely inferring, referring to things in the future, is because it talks about sacrifices. And Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. So once Jesus made his sacrifice on the cross, the sacrificial system was no longer necessary. It was abolished because it was all wrapped up in the in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so we'll get into that when we get to the New Testament. And so um, chapter 46 talks about the sacrifice, uh, sacrifices at the appointed times, like I was saying. So let's go on to chapter 47. And this is an interesting um, uh, analogy here. It says the life-giving river. And it says, then he brought me back to the entrance of the temple and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple towards the east for the uh, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side uh, of the threshold of the temple south of the altar. Next, he brought me out um, by way of the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate that faced east. Uh, there was water there trickling from uh, the south side. The reason I keep emphasizing from is because all of this water is flowing from the temple. See, the source is from the temple. And so in verse three, it says, as the man went out east with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a third of a mile and led me through the water. It came up to my ankles. Then he measured off a third of a mile and he led me through the water. It came up to my knees. He measured off another third of a mile and led me through the water. It came up to my waist. Again, he measured off a third of a mile, and it was a river that I could not cross on foot. For the water had risen, it was deep enough to swim in. And so the, the water here is representative of the Spirit of the Lord. And it says, you know, as you, essentially as you go through life, you should be getting deeper and deeper and deeper into the water, deeper and deeper and de deeper into the Spirit of the Lord, and to the point that you, that you are submerged, that you are immersed in the Spirit of the Lord. You know, uh, uh, in, in, it, 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 just, you're, you're, it just covers you. It's, it's all over you. And so in chapter, or excuse me, in verse eight, it says, he said to me, this water flows out of the eastern re region and goes down to the Arabah. Uh, when it enters the sea, the sea of foul water. And so uh, the, the, uh, when it goes down to the Arabah, this is talking about the Dead Sea. And it says um, the sea of foul water, meaning that uh, the water is so salty that nothing can li live in it. And it says the water of the sea becomes fresh. It says, this water flows out of the eastern region, goes down to the air. But when it enters the sea, the sea of foul water, the water of the sea becomes fresh. And so when the water from this river enters the foul water of the Dead Sea, then the sea starts to become fresh. In verse 9, it says, every kind of living creature that swarms will live, uh, will live wherever the water flows. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord flows, things come to life. Things get brought back to life. Things start to live and there will be a huge number of fish because of this water, uh, because of where this water goes. It says, since the water will become fresh, there will be life everywhere the river goes. Everywhere the river of God goes, there is life. In verse 12, it says, 
All kinds of trees providing food will grow along both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. Each month they will bear fresh fruit because the water comes from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be used for food and their leaves for healing. The fruit of the Spirit of the Lord will be used for food. People will eat on it. They will live on it. And their leaves will be for healing. Because through the Spirit of the Lord, whether we're talking about spiritual, emotional, relational, physical, whatever kind of healing one is in need of, it is available through the river of the Spirit of the Lord. And then in chapter 48, the last verse, in verse 35, and the rest of 48 is, descri- is describing the distribution of the territories amongst the uh, 12 tribes of Israel. But the last verse says, the perimeter of the city will be six miles, and the name of the city from that day on will be the Lord is there. Amen, amen, and amen. And with that, we are finished with the book of Ezekiel. We will pick up the book of Daniel tomorrow. But again, the Lord invites you through his son, Jesus Christ, to recognize him for who he is. He is the Lord. He is our Savior. He is God manifested in flesh. And he invites you to recognize him for who he is. And the word says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, if you sincerely believe in your heart and sincerely confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, the word promises that you shall be saved, that you shall be in the eternal presence of the Lord God. There's nothing else to be said. With that, everybody take care. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Stay safe. Bye-bye.